Hello and welcome to another edition of the Aussie Wisdom Podcast. Today I'm speaking with Pete Mastriani from Loans Only and let's see how this goes. <laughs> so Pete, what can you tell us about yourself? Um, what can I say? I, am, I run a business by the name of Loans Only, so uh, we are a brokerage where we specialise in investment finance solutions. Uh, I'm based in Brisbane, I've got a broker in um, northern New South Wales and uh, I've got three more down in Melbourne and some support staff down in Melbourne. So HQ is Melbourne and I live in Brisbane and I commute regularly. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And what made you decide that HQ would be Melbourne? Um, it came about just through the business partnership that, that I have. So. Um, my business partners are property developers mm-hmm. and uh, they're based down in, in Melbourne mm-hmm. and it just made commercial sense to you know, uh, keep that relationship tight from a Melbourne perspective. So uh, I've been working uh, remotely probably for the last, um, uh, I'd say for the first year that we started business together and it's probably only been the last six months or so that I've been commuting on a regular basis as the teams continue to grow. So. The team is, is still fairly new and um, good experienced brokers, a couple from um, private banking backgrounds and really solid networks, um, a couple of other brokers who have had you know, solid industry experience uh, as well, and uh, some support staff, some are green and eager to, to learn as well. So all coming together, we're a tight knit group and I'm very focused around uh, ensuring that we work um, in a structured manner to produce accurate and, and consistent outcomes for, for our clients and, and our engagements. So um, we're just trying to hustle yeah. at the moment and yeah. uh, we're trying to do deals where, wherever we can yeah. and um, and uh, see what we can do to keep the music playing. Does that, does that get you out of bed in the morning, the hustle? Um, what, what is it for you? Yeah, sometimes I just don't want to get out of bed. <laughs> so uh, just because just tired, or yeah. you know, uh, I've got a two-year-old kid who still sleeps in our bedroom. So, yeah. and she's a milk monster. So no doubt, most nights she's up at some point in time saying "bod bod bod bod," you know. So we're up, and the dog's also in the room, and he needs to get up, and you know do a leak or go out and have a sniff around or something. So yeah. between my wife and I, we, uh, we, you know, we're up and down throughout the night. So sometimes I don't genuinely want to get out of bed because I'm just bloody exhausted from a broken night's sleep. Yeah. Um, but what gets me out of bed is just um, uh, the motivation to see if um, I can overcome the challenges and, you know, and come out and look back and think, wow, you know, I did that. That's, you know, give yourself a pat on the back. It's made, it's probably an ego thing yeah. than anything else. It's not, um, uh, the money will come off the back of hard work and the success. I think it's just, uh, I think it's the objective to, to look back and be like, wow, you know, look, look what I've done. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Tell a good story. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think so. A legacy or whatever. I'm yeah. Still trying to work it out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, sounds good. And just on how you how'd you go about building that team so that you had these property developers and how'd you even meet people in Melbourne and that kind of thing? Um that's do you want a short answer or do you want the, the full like, version yeah. of it? Um, uh, so uh, previous to doing mortgage broking, um, I originally studied banking and finance mm-hmm. and had aspirations of being a financial planner. Mm-hmm. And um, the first job that I had was more of a boiler room, just getting people into the office and flogging them insurance. Yep. Because um, that was what happened, you know, 15 years ago or I don't yep. know, 13 years ago, however long. And um, yeah, I didn't last very long. Mm. Um, and it kind of skewed my opinion of you know what I thought it was going to be like. Yeah. Um, and uh, from there, I went to the UK, you know, as you do. Um, and um, uh, I wanted to get a job in banking, thinking that you know I had this piece of paper, so I should be good to go. But um, I had no experience, so uh, I didn't get any wins there. And I actually went to a recruiter. And um, 
uh, the recruiter suggested that I should try recruiting because I had had this cold calling experience yeah. from trying to flog insurance. Yeah. So I started in recruitment in the UK and I continued a career in recruitment when I got back from the UK and I did quite well out of that and I invested in some property and um, that was probably more where my passion was mm -hmm. um, at the time. And um, through the course of my career there, uh, towards the end, I worked for a crowd that did outplacement services. Mm -hmm. So uh, we would bid to win, uh, win work in order to make workforces redundant. So at the time, it was off the uh, it was off the back of the coal mining boom, and you know the coal majors were retrenching large workforces and there was a number of other corporate restructure programs or change plans or change management plans, whatever you want to call it, that were underway. So um, it was beneficial because that business was counter-cyclical. So mm. when people were getting laid off, we, we were doing really well. Mm. Um, uh, the downside of it is that your job is to go out on a daily basis and make people redundant. So. Uh, I would be travelling a lot to remote mining camps, sitting in a donga, speaking to people that have been driving a truck for most of their life, or you know, doing uh, doing menial tasks or whatever, mm. um, telling them that you know, here's a pack and here's your payout, and don't worry, we're going to get you a good CV, and you know, we're going to give you some training, and you're going to be all right. And they're like, can't, yeah, go for it. I can't fucking read all right, mate. Like. You know, what job am I going to get around here? This is like the only job available. So doing that and doing uh, that for a while, um, it kind of uh, changed my opinions of what it's like to work for the man. So, um, uh, sorry for swearing, but anyway, no, that was <laughs> so that was kind of uh, well, what I was. it was a really interesting job because some people, you know. There was three kind of reactions. The one being like, well, you know, I was going to leave anyway, so yeah. stuff then. The others was just either stunned mullets, like just couldn't believe that this was happening, completely blindsided. Yeah. Or it'd be pistols, like, oh, yeah. you know, I'm going to row And it was always the same thing. Okay, that's fine. You know, here's your cow voucher. Bob's at the door. He's going to walk you to the desk. Get your belongings and you yeah. can go. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, that was an interesting job. It paid really well, um, and I enjoyed it for the period of time and learned a huge amount out of it of just actually dealing with people on yeah. a one-to-one -one basis. But um, it definitely changed my opinion of what it was like to actually work for the man um, yeah. and. Uh, and conglomerates just moving towards a more flexible workforce solution and switching on labour on and off yeah. as their demand requires, which I yeah. think is just a justification of the casualisation of workforces within this country at the moment. So um, going through that, um, I actually sold a property and I made some money out of that and decided that I was going to stick it to the man and mm -hmm. start up my own business mm -hmm. and have a change in, in career. And uh, it was suggested to me that I should do mortgage broking. So, yeah, um, yeah I, start, I became a mortgage broker. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the business started off under the name of the buyer's guide. And I had the intention of flying the flag for first home buyers and, you know, yeah. supporting their cause and created a, an educational product because I thought I would try and sell the product to monetize the product and, yes. and then uh, get individuals in. Uh, to then obviously do the, do their mortgages off, yeah. off the back of that, or perhaps even make introductions to project sales individuals for property sales opportunities or, mm. or whatever that may be. Um, uh, the problem though was that um, first home buyers require a, a lot of work and, and yeah. hand holding through that process. So there was you know, quite a long lead time in order to actually monetize that opportunity. Yeah. And then getting it into the bank and then getting paid by the bank mm -hmm. for 40 day, 60 day payment mm -hmm. terms and getting paid from the aggregator. It's another 90 days until you actually get paid. And then also, so just on getting paid, I, I used to work in real estate when I lived in Canada. Yeah. And I helped people buy houses. So I know what it's like working with people who've never bought a house before. It takes a long time. Yeah. You've got to find the property. Yeah. 
then it takes time to settle. Yeah. So let's say it takes 60 days to settle on the house. Does yeah. it then take another 60 days for the mortgage yeah. broker to get back? Yeah, so uh, after settlement payment terms from the lender, normally 45 days to 60 days, yeah. and then uh, mortgage brokers will deal with uh, like an umbrella group. So we, um, we aggregate together because, yeah. you know, the majors don't want to deal with just me because I don't have enough volume to send through. But if we work together in a co-op fashion and there's mm -hmm. a thousand or fifteen hundred odd brokers, then then we can create a platform system to speak with the banks together. Yeah. Um, to generate enough volume for their appetite, um, and they pay. So the lenders pay the aggregators, and then the aggregators will, will pay the broker that did, did the deal, and they have their own payment terms as well. So. Between 60 to 90 days is generally when the broker gets paid after settlement. So if you're dealing with Jack and Jill in March and yeah. they don't buy until October, then yeah. it's actually almost January yeah. that you get paid on it. So, you know, it's, that's a year before you actually see some income. There's a lot of, there's a lot of work that goes into that process. So, um, uh, so I just, uh, I thought what else could be done in yeah. the marketplace and noticed that uh, the trend of rent vesting was yep. emerging and yep. becoming a popularised term. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, I remember the day actually because we were house-sitting my wife's um, parents' house and they live on an acreage north of Brisbane and uh, was walking back after taking the dog out in the morning and was just like, I wonder if the domain's available. Anyway. Went to GoDaddy, yep. the domain's available, yep. and I picked up all the other different terms for it. Yep. And then I registered the business name, mm -hmm. the Rentvest and PTY LTD, and applied for a trademark, and, yeah. and got the trademark for, for the term as well. Yeah. And then just thought, well, how am I gonna monetize um, a domain name? And um, I thought, well, I need leads for my mortgage broking business, so. Mm -hmm. I'll, uh, I'll use it as a, a lead generation portal yep. in order to you know, uh, create a funnel for, for mortgage opportunities for me. Yeah. So that worked well. Um, uh, and I was out there hustling, just trying to form partnerships because you know, one side of the monetization was the lead to do the finance and then mm. there would be another opportunity to do a property transaction mm. in that as well. So I actively sought partnership opportunities and that's what led to um, going into business with the guys down in Melbourne. Right. So that's how that came about. And they were running their own marketing uh, campaigns as well. So um, I went from scratching around to try to find an opportunity to having a new problem of having an abundance of leads and not being able to deal with the, the actual volume, yep. um, which is, you know, which is a really good situation yeah. to be in. It was yeah. quite cool, but I was, um, uh, yeah, I was under a bit of pressure, just time pressure to convert. And, mm -hmm. um, so uh, the, the business name rebranded to, to Loans Only mm -hmm. and uh, I actually turned off the marketing on the rent vesting side of things because mm -hmm. there was enough continuity of workflow coming in through, um, through sources that I didn't actually have to pay mm -hmm. advertising spend on and uh, the business has grown from there to where it is now. And so just on that, uh the buyer's guide, can people still get it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that I haven't been to the website for a long time, but okay. I think it's still live and it's still hosted. Okay. Um, so during that period of time, I also published two books. Um, one being the first home buyer's guide and the second being the property investor's buyer's guide. Mm -hmm. uh, so the property investor's guide did quite well, um, had national launch and mm -hmm. you could actually buy it in a bookstore, so it was a legitimate book book yep. not just you know some shitty ebook that you can pick up yeah it was in uh, money magazine as the book of the month and mm -hmm. so that was really good but um uh you know if you have ambitions of writing a book don't expect to make any money yeah out of the book it's yeah. uh use it as a business card and yeah give it away for free yeah as a lead gen opportunity which is what i've done mm -hmm. and that's created you know good opportunities yeah me. As a, as a high value lead magnet. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the buyer's guide is a non-trade magazine. And I just, 
obviously this is Aussie wisdom, and so I just right. wanted to make sure that if if people are looking for something like that, that yeah. your this, the work that you put in is still available to them. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you if you go to Runfesting, Runfesting um, is a content publishing platform. So is that .com .au? .com .au. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so if you go on there, it's full of different resources and webinars, and I was running my own podcast as well for yeah. a couple of years as well. Um, so there's, I don't know, maybe a hundred or something odd episodes of just different property experts and, and professionals that came on and shared their own story and part of their own wisdom yeah. um, with a property flavor maybe yeah. to it. Um, so there's some nuggets in there and plenty of blog articles and eBooks and mm. you know, there's lots of stuff on there. So as a resource, if you have an interest in property, it's, you know, it's worth watching. I just to give it a pop. Yeah. <laughs> no, awesome. Thank you. Um, and we'll link to those resources. Thank you. Well. So, the, the other thing I wanted to talk about, I'm, I'm not sure whether you agree with this, but I feel that all my mates that are tradies mm. at some point will probably set up their own business. Yep. That's just kind of how it is in Australia. Yeah. But if you're an accountant or a financial planner, or a whole lot of other professional fields, mm. you just, you have a job and you don't really look at starting your own business. You did start your own business and walk me through how you made that decision and then maybe you mentioned that you also had a family not long after that. Can we talk about how that was all? Like, yeah, okay. Um, uh, so starting a business was just probably um, uh, off the back of that experience of working with the outplacement services uh, organisation and, and, um, and doing that for a little while and just this, uh, I don't know, this desire that I always wanted to do something for myself. Yeah. I think I've always probably had a problem with authority. Yes. And uh, having to take direction from the man. Yeah. Not that... Um, I, I genuinely know that I don't know better. I just want to do right. things myself, yeah. you know? And yeah. if it's right or wrong, you know, well, whatever, you know, you learn through mistakes. And yeah. That's how it all kind of comes together. Um, uh, and just dealing with the people that I've dealt with in my career, I don't know if there was anyone that I can say um, uh, that I thought was an effective leader or was inspiring as a okay. leader as well to take direction from to, you know, to be someone that would shoot the lights out yeah. under, you know, ABC company or whoever it is that you're actually working for. So that's probably the main reason why yeah. I wanted to go and do something for myself. Just yeah. um, So is that my... When you say... Is it a case of wanting to work under a good leader or you wanting to become a good leader? Wanting to become a good leader. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, but I haven't actually recognised this until more recently. And I don't profess to say that, you know, I'm a great leader or whatever because I'm very much learning as I go along. Yeah. Um, but, you know, people, people have their own stuff going on yeah. in their lives. Yeah. And People need flexibility in their work and people want to be inspired and people want to deliver good stuff. And, yeah. and people have their own goals and aspirations that they want to work to, not the organisational you know, BS mission statement that you've got to adhere to. So, um, so that's, been, uh, that's been a learning for myself and something that I really want to uh, cultivate and, and foster internally yeah. with, within my own business, which is... Um, because it's a win-win outcome, you know. If if they're going to be doing well, then you know naturally it's going to come back in spades for, for me and yeah. my business as well, and it will grow organically. Yeah. From there, and seeing someone come from you know one point and overcome, I don't know, to use a metaphor, to tame their dragon or to yeah. slay their dragon. You know, yeah. sometimes you either do one or the other. To go through that process and come out of that and achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve, it's it's cool. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, you know, that was nice that I was able to participate in, yeah. you know, in that person going through that transformation. So it's really cool. Yeah. And it's cool to know that 
you can be really hands off with that as well. Yeah. And sometimes it's best just to be hands off with them as well. You know, it's, uh, yeah, because, you know, as people, we're unique. So, yeah. um, so it's, and whatever business you're in, it's, it's, always, it's a people game. So, yeah. if you apply any critical thinking to, you know, uh, any strategy or approach that you want to make, there's, there's the environment, the structure that you're operating in, the implementation, and, and the people. Yeah, and the people are, are the live crackers, you know, because yeah. they could, you can control a number of the variables, but it's the analogy of taking your horse to the water, you know, it's just <laughs> you can't get them to do what you want. So, yeah. having that leadership piece where, you know, you can inspire and motivate and get people to, you know, um, uh, to to grow is 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 an interesting process. We yeah. filtered it. Yeah. That's good. And you also have the benefit of being able to have that with a young child as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, she's only two at the moment, so she's got a long way to come. But being a biased dad, I'm, she'll shoot the lights out and be a superstar within her regard. I, yeah. I have no doubts about it. Yeah. She's a really cool kid. Um, but, you know, that's me being her dad Yeah. and saying that. Um, but it's been a bloody tough three or more years you know so yeah it hasn't been uh it hasn't been particularly easy at all so um uh my partner always wanted to be a mum that was kind of her raising detriment in life and what she wanted to achieve so um that was that was really cool and that was that's fine um but with fertility issues and the process of having to go through that and yeah. then uh and then to actually having Vivian and the the stress of me trying to go out and you know do this and you know my boots were jingling and jangling because I just had this cowboy approach. We'll do this. And yeah. Try that. And where for her she was just probably craving some security and consistency. Yeah. And, you know, I'm trying to you know change the world, <laughs> change the world, <laughs> and succeeding in nothing. You know, <laughs> so she's just kind of like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know. Yeah. sort it out yeah. um, because you know we've got a kid now and yeah. you know you need to were there start time, providing were there times there where she was almost pushing you to go get a job uh, we've talked about it on a number of occasions yeah. just for the fact that um, uh, cash flow and business is tight yeah. and um, uh, whilst uh, whilst there was money there to support us when you're not earning an income for a period of time, that cash does deplete. And yeah. if you're putting that money also to invest into the business, the yeah. business also becomes this little baby. And, you know, you put so much time and energy and effort into just creating this little thing that yeah. um, you don't want to let go of it. So yeah. I think uh, I think that's probably been the, the biggest thing that I've learned over the last period of time was the importance of letting go. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a good one. So the one thing, one thing I want to dive into, when you have these ideas of rent vesting or the buyer's guide, how do these ideas come up to you? Like, what, do they just pop up or is there a thinking process involved or how does it sort of feel? Uh, I think at the beginning it was just uh, kicking an idea around. Yep. And then it was um, how do I how do I maybe make this work? And I think um, that those first couple of businesses not succeeding or, or actually you know a mental failure um, was because I hadn't uh, I hadn't applied a structured process to implementing it. Okay. I just kind of like shoot from the hips and do a little bit of this and do a little bit of that and I didn't uh, I got uh, I got caught up with the purple squirrel so you know whatever was new and sexy and caught my attention that was the direction that I was going and that was to the detriment of actually just focusing on sales and revenue yeah um, and that customer injection customer engagement piece to convert yeah. so that was probably the the failings of those first couple of goes. Okay. What were you going to say? 
I also have shiny Red Bull syndrome. Yeah, every, yeah. everyone does. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, because it looks really cool. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, I want to, I want to do that. You know, that's. Um, but the focus really needs to be on um, converting opportunities mm. and monetization, or else you legitimately can't keep the doors open. Yeah. So that's probably something that isn't focused on enough, just in terms of the actual sales piece. Yeah. Um, and all the monetization strategy. Um, so uh, now, in terms of looking at new opportunities or to you know to, to pivot and change direction and, and grow, which is the process that I'm currently going through at the moment, mm. off the back of what's happened off the Royal Commission, um, it's now applying some structure and some critical thinking to create, or if you've got a concept, to apply some some deep thinking to get an appropriate plan of attack yeah. for it, yeah. which was those elements that I just mentioned before in terms of looking at the environment and the structure and how yeah. it's implemented and, and, and the people. So yeah. you can take it at a high level and, and then go, you know, go micro with it. Yeah. And are, are there any people that you look up to, any books that you've read that's helped with that? Um, books, not so much. Yeah. Um, I, haven't ever, I haven't been a particular big reader unless I've gotten obsessive about a particular topic yes then I'm on my phone and you know yeah and doing that um, uh, but I've been fortunate to meet a, a couple of mentors who you know I consider to be Jedi's in, yeah. in the world and um, uh, and both of those individuals have probably um, shaped my thinking in the direction that I've, I've ultimately chosen as yeah. well so um, a good mentor is invaluable yeah in my opinion I, I believe in because I've been fortunate and very grateful to have met these people and, yeah and they've really shaped the, the direction of my thinking yeah of where to go and how did you meet them um, uh, so the first one I met through uh, work about uh, two, God, I don't know, six seven eight years ago now a good while um, and um, uh, he was a really interesting guy, so, and I met him for a couple of hours on a Friday afternoon each week for a period of three or so months, and I have to say, he completely changed my course of life that I was going on at that point in time, so um, take my hat off to him. So it was just a different perspective on my way of thinking how the world and myself actually operate, mm. and um, uh, the second one is someone more recently that I've been dealing with. One, he's helped me sort out my, uh, my baggage. Okay. And, uh, and two, he's, uh, he's given me some, some really good uh, concepts uh, to help me work through the structure of your, your thinking processes mm. and, and what leadership actually is and, mm. you know, and, and what it is that you're actually trying to create and, and how to actually approach that in um, a methodical manner. And just to be clear, like obviously these people gave you their time. Yeah. Was it a paid relationship or is it just them helping you? Uh, so this one at the moment is a paid relationship and yeah. uh, the last one was also a paid relationship. Yeah. I was fortunate at the time that someone actually paid that for me. Wow. So that was, that was really cool and I'm very grateful uh, yeah. for that opportunity. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah. If you can find a good mentor and they're willing to give up their, their time and uh, they're doing it off the basis of, you know, a value of reciprocity. Yeah. And if they're a Jedi, we'll, you know, hug them and love them and try and get as much information as you, as you can out of them. Because yeah. it's, you know, meeting uh, wise people along the way is, is very helpful. Yeah. Particularly when you think you've got it all worked out. Yeah. Then it's like, oh yeah. I didn't actually think of it like that. That's yeah, that's pretty it's a good one. <laughs> There's a story that I like and you might not necessarily like Walmart as a company. Ah. But Sam Walton had a process where he was so obsessive about making sure that he had the best idea possible mm. that he got put in jail when he was in a country in South America oh, yeah. because he was down on the floor measuring the aisles thinking that they must have known something that he didn't yeah okay because they're like oh maybe they're doing it better yeah if they're doing it better I must do it yeah 
so he's always looking yeah. for a way to do it better. Yeah. Not everyone has that mindset. No, I think that's really cool because a lot of people think that um, the key to you know breaking out of the box or whatever is to have you know passion. Yeah. But when you actually look at passion as a value, that it's cool and there's nothing wrong with it, but mm. it kind of has a bit of a, a, you know, a fluffy context yeah. to it as well. People that actually succeed, like Walmart, yeah. was just absolutely obsessive yeah. about every little minute detail. And Steve Jobs, yes. he was obsessive, yeah. and people thought he was an asshole because yeah. of his approach and his obsessive nature to, you know, get the finer details, you know, hundred percent right. Yeah. So it does people's head in, but you know, you need that kind of person in order to create these juggernauts as well. Yeah. So the interesting thing too is that that mentality, that perfectionist mentality, in the wrong situation. Can just lead to depression. Yeah, probably. Like of, of the people that I've met, and certainly I've been through some situations in my life where it's been difficult. It's that mentality of thinking that nothing's good enough. Yeah. That suddenly makes you. Oh, you can see how you spiral. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, it's a good business perspective because you're always looking yeah. for what could be better. Absolutely. Um, so I think uh, I think if you can. I think if you can actually genuinely work out what your values are, yeah, whether that be things like we've discussed in terms of giving back, reciprocity, or passion, or modelling excellence, like yeah. getting down on the ground and measuring out the, the width of an aisle, yeah, you know, because they might be onto something here. Well, yeah. that's just modelling excellence. It's you know that's how people build businesses by copying good ideas and yeah. pasting them together. So yeah. uh, whatever those values may be, if, if, you can, if you can work them out and you believe in them and set a rule to live that value each day, well, mm. you'll probably really enjoy your work. Yeah. And you'll probably get something out of it every single day because you're living your life by your values. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that I'm interested in, obviously we both look, look after clients do you share those values with your clients? Uh, Do they know? No. Yeah. No, I probably haven't. Yeah. Um, just because it's not about me. Yeah. It's about them. Yeah. So, yeah. What, you know, I don't have anything to do in the situation. It's it's about them and uh, and getting the right outcome that they want to. Yeah. You know, they've can, got. can we just talk about that because it was. It was difficult for me to decide that I wanted to work in sales because growing up in Australia, I felt that sales just had a bad name. Mm. I was fortunate enough to learn sales when I was in Canada, mm. where it had a better name. Mm. And obviously, North America, people think sales, people think North America. Yeah. Um, but what I eventually learned was exactly what you said, that it's not about the salesperson at all. It's about the client. It's about getting a good outcome for the client. Yeah. They're the outcome that they want. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And not trying to force something on them that no. they don't want. Yeah. Mm. Can you just walk us through how you go about doing that with the people that you meet? Um, so I, um, uh, I probably follow the same. Uh, I approach every opportunity in the same manner if I was looking at it from um, trying to bring a, a, a client on board to, to do their, their finance. Yeah. So uh, it would start off by asking them ideally what they're, what they're wanting to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, once I get an understanding of what their desire is and, and their actual genuine motivation, then mm -hmm. I'll use that as an anchor mm -hmm. throughout the conversation to, to bring it back. So. Um, you know, Chris, what is it that you're ideally hoping to, to achieve yeah. out of this? Yeah. Okay, it's X, Y, Z. Okay, yeah. that, that's great. Mm -hmm. So um, what we're going to do from here is that I'm just going to ask you lots of questions. Yeah. And after we go through all those questions, I'll give you the opportunity to ask me anything that you want. Yeah. And then after we finish that, I'm going to give you my suggestions. Right. And outline how we can move forward from here. Right. Does that sound fair? Yeah. Yes or no? So uh, the idea of lots of questions is that for... Uh, a loan, whatever kind of loan, you actually genuinely need to ask 
a lot of questions throughout that process. Yeah. And that'll kind of then uh, dictate the direction that you actually have to take the facility. Mm -hmm. um, and through the course of that conversation, it'll probably answer a lot of their questions that they were going to bring up anyway. Yeah. So uh, you told me what you want. Now I've got an understanding of what's actually happening in the current situation. Mm -hmm. Now you, you know. Now you've got the microphone, and you know, ask me anything else that, that is a concern or or uh, that you would like to know of. Yeah. And here's here's my suggestion on how to make that original idea mm -hmm. or that original plan that you wanted to, to achieve mm -hmm. uh, as a possibility. Yeah. Um, so uh, it means that you just listened yeah to what they actually want yeah. you know I've got an opinion yeah. and I might believe that it's not the right thing for them yeah. but you know yeah. who am I to say yeah. of course I can say you know I'm an expert and I'm an advisor and blah 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 and you shouldn't pull the money out to do a bathroom renovation you should pull the money out to buy another investment property yeah I don't want to do that. They just mm -hmm. want a new bathroom. Yeah, exactly. So give them what they want. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. And in a seamless and effective manner. And do you find that when you deal with salespeople that they do that? Or do you meet salespeople that do it well? Or do you find it's sort of few and far between? Uh, I, there's some salespeople that I've met that, that are definitely rock stars. Yep. Um, the problem. Then becomes probably the the actual execution of the deal. Yes. Good salespeople tend to be pretty crappy at, at administrative tasks yeah. and keeping notes and whatever. They just want to be out there, you know, shooting deals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Shooting from the hip and you know being a silver tongue and yeah. bringing the opportunities in. So that's that's fine. Uh, they just need some coaching in that regard to mm. get the second part of it right. So yeah. It's all well and fine to promise the world and get the opportunity in, but you've actually got to get an outcome. Uh, that you've got to deliver on you know, what you've actually stated as well, which uh, uh, can be challenging for some of those people. And do you find that those skills of listening are helpful outside of your work? Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, um, it's still, it's every interaction is a people interaction really so um, uh, I probably need to get better at listening at home okay. <laughs> but anyway you know Sounds personal cool. relationships are a different thing yeah um, but yeah it, listening's a valuable skill probably something that uh, I should continue to work on yeah and you mentioned that books is not really your thing. Yeah. Obviously, you've you started a podcast. You've had over a hundred episodes. Mm. Um, what what made you decide to do that? Uh, just a, another way of getting my name out there. Yeah. Um, and uh, one for I guess just for blatant self promotion. But the real agenda behind it was the opportunity of actually speaking to people that were networked within the community or had a profile themselves. Mm -hmm. So having, um, having the opportunity to go in and, um, and, and speak with them on you know, an equal level mm -hmm. and occasionally just chance your hand to ask for some business yeah. uh, from a referral perspective as well yeah, yeah. Um, was probably another, was probably the real agenda mm -hmm. out of it at the time because um, brokers they're out there trying to knock on doors to real estate agents yeah. and what have you and you know please can can I can I have a lead or so yeah. um, I just tried to um, do things a little bit differently and do you see anyone else out there doing what you were doing podcasting or yeah marketing in the manner that you were uh, yeah um, uh, the broking industry there um, there's a lot of really switched on innovative people mm. um, and uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of good marketing concepts out there and some of these brokers are good salespeople yeah. as well so yeah. they're out there hustling and they're trying to do their own deals and grow their own businesses and, and what have you 
What does a mortgage broker offer that you won't necessarily get elsewhere? Uh, it's probably, one, it's choice, but in my opinion, it's probably being able to deal with the complexity that's, uh, that has been created in the residential home lending space. Okay. Um, so uh, a lot of people, uh, most people will um, borrow what they can get and that will dictate ultimately what, what they buy. So most people will tend to borrow to, to their capacity. Um, thereafter, if they're wanting to do anything else, then it's like, okay, where am I gonna get the next facility from? Um, one, you obviously can go to your existing lender, but then you might find that, you may find they just don't wanna do the deal because they don't have the appetite for your kind of flavor at that specific time. Right. So uh, lenders change what they're into or the deals that they would want to be doing very regularly just mm. on how they're looking at their book and, and rating the risk profile of, of their book. So mm. they chop and change their, their lending policy a, a lot. Um, if you're just straight mum and dad, both got good jobs and you've got a great deposit and you know, you don't blow your wage every week, um, then, you know, yeah, that, that's a prime customer, you know, like banks will fight to have that opportunity to, to get you on the books, but um, uh, that's becoming more of a rarity. Um, uh, more people are working in casual style engagements or working in the gig economy or, um, you know, out there hustling, trying to pursue their own opportunities, their startups or they're self-employed or mm. uh, banks typically want to see two years of self-employment. Two uh, years. Or financials. Yeah. So, um, and there's lots of people that want to borrow money within two years. So, you know, yeah. where do you go to find that finance? Mm. Um, so I think that's probably the, where, the, uh, where the real meat and veg is. I guess in terms of what a mortgage broker can offer in terms of just navigating where, where to do the deal that's going to be suitable for your own specific scenario. Well, let's just say that I'm looking for a mortgage yeah. and you're the ideal person to get it for me. Right. And mortgage broking is not a thing anymore. Yeah. Because the, the numbers just don't work. Yeah. Would you likely do this job in a bank? No. Because... I don't want to work for them. <laughs> um, uh, so no, I I, uh, I don't want to work in a bank and have to meet my own KPI targets and you know also be told that I've got to sell them a credit card and get a referral to the financial planning team and you know try and flog them insurance and, and all those sorts of stuff. That's not my style. So. Um, uh, off the back of what's happened off the Royal Commission, um, I've been applying a lot of critical thinking as to what the business could look like and try to rethink the, the business model from there. Um, because whilst the broking industry is putting up a, a really good fight, um, um, I believe that cat is amongst the pigeons and change is inevitable of happening at this point in time. Uh, and it's pretty hard for the majority of brokers out there at the moment. So most brokers are just one or two people style operations yeah. um, or husband and wife based team, so to say. Um, and if, if they have to charge a, an upfront fee to, to, to the client to do that business, it just, they won't be able to sustain a living. Um, out of that kind of operation, particularly at the moment when they may struggle to, to get opportunities and the lender is, is actually paying them for, for, for that work. Um, so with any change, there's always opportunities. So, um, and I think that the real opportunity is, is coming up with um, uh, an innovative origination solution to lenders. Okay. Um, primarily because outside of the big four and even some of the big four, they're completely relying on broker origination. So mm. they, they need the broker channel to sustain their own business. Mm. Uh, so if, um, if brokers contract and or cease to exist, uh, you'll probably see a lot of smaller lenders in the marketplace mm. also follow suit because they just can't compete 
in, you know, with the big boys of town as well, and that will just restrict competition in the marketplace. Well, what do you think that would mean to your clients? Um, if that's to eventuate, yeah. Um, uh, there'll be some of those clients um, will be the mum and dad types that I spoke of, you know, just before that they've got a good income and they've got good deposits and got good credit, so they'll always be fine. Yeah, um, you know, they'll be able to walk into the CBA branch and, and do business any day of the week. Uh, and for the rest, uh, or for people that um, value uh, the advice, they'll pay for it. Um, and then there'll be a small portion whose situation is non-vanilla or perhaps even rocky road, mm. and their hand may be forced to pay for the advice in order to get direction on, on where they need to go. Right. That would be ideal. It wouldn't be ideal. <laughs> but you know, we'll see. Yeah. We don't know. And so at the moment, the music's still playing. Yeah, yeah. So it's the tune has changed slightly, and yeah. you know, I'm just um, I'm very eager to keep a seat in the game. Yeah, mm. oh, that's cool. Just on music. Yeah. What's your uh, go-to? Go-to. Yeah. Um, oh God. Um, probably embarrassing having to talk about my music <laughs> but I love the boss I'll put on a bit of Bruce Springsteen yep um, and outside of that it's probably Elvis yeah you know so yeah this is this is why it's embarrassing because my, <laughs> my taste of music is shocking you know that's not that's or, not shocking or it's whatever just, uh, just older or whatever uh, whatever Viv wants to dance to so yeah. she likes a, a good bass beat so yeah. okay. if we can pull out some techno and yeah. have a bit of a boogie together in the kitchen okay. Google we got Google Home so it's like Google Play some of this play some of that yeah have a dance with the little kid it's fun yeah. but yeah music's Music's like reading books. It's not something that not a big thing. That's not a big thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so, I've, it's a big thing for me, and so that it's a, it helps yeah. me get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. What if like if you if you wake up in the morning and you just you've had a crappy sleep because yeah. everything's happened. Yeah. What like how do you how do you make sure you get through the day? Uh, I meditate. Okay. So I try to do it. I've been doing it daily. I try to maintain a daily practice of meditation yep. for a good period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I meditate and uh, I go for a walk. Right. Um, and, you know, do some breathing, yep. have about half a dozen coffees and, yep. you know, ready to go. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I should do is exercise. Okay. I haven't been doing enough of that. Yeah. But, you know, you just, you feel better when you can, you know, blast the cobwebs in. Yeah. Sweat. And you know, feel good about things. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, it's you know, just you know, trying to be a yogi <laughs> and and have ten minutes or twenty minutes or however yeah. long I've, I've got just to not try and not think. And yeah, I can appreciate that because I find I think too much, and I, I have meditated in the past. I don't have a current routine mm. meditation. What made you interested in? And then okay with talking about meditation. Okay with talking about it? Yeah, like do you find it's an awkward thing where you're just like, oh, I meditate? Mm-hmm. Why do, do you think others do? Or? I think maybe they do. Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm not sure like if, a secret thing. I'm not, that they yeah, do I'm not sure that you like go, from, go to the pub and have a beer with your mates, like, how's your meditation practice? <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. It depends on your circle that yeah, you yeah. hang out with. I don't think a lot of people that I know, maybe they do, maybe they don't. But yeah, you're probably right. It's not something that's openly spoken of yeah i don't know yeah maybe it's just a personal thing that people keep to themselves yeah yeah but i'm a sharer so um and i think meditation is cool um uh what was your question sorry though what was the how did you get into it and then how did I get into how, it? you obviously really open about sharing it that was not even a question that i needed to ask oh um just probably how to deal with my own uh, stress and yeah. anxiety at different stages with what I felt was just this tsunami of situations. It's just like, okay, what do I need to do just to 
cool my mind and yeah. relax, quieten the jets or you know turn the jets off just to slow down for a little bit. Yeah. Um, which came out of you know looking towards meditation and just making a commitment to try to do it on a daily basis. Yeah. Even if it is just for a couple of minutes and um, and practicing gratitude off the back of it. So um, there's some really cool apps, mm. you know. Um, so if you're inclined. Do it, commit yeah. to it, and yeah, yeah. And for me, if I don't do it for a while, I haven't. I feel it within myself that I have a noticeable difference in behaviour. And how does that feel? I just I'm cranky. Really? Yeah, just cranky. Yeah. So. So your partner's pretty happy that you meditate then. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe she is. We don't actually talk about it. Right, okay. <laughs> cool. So then maybe, it's, maybe you're right in that um, people just don't talk about it. I don't know. Yeah, that's good. Well, is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we wrap up? I don't know. Any other questions? Uh, this, this is all about you. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, is there any, like, anything that sort of pops up? You're like, this is the whole purpose of this is to talk about the kind of things that you'd like to talk about to yourself when you were 16 or something like yeah. that. You're looking to go out into the world and make decisions. Yeah. Is there any other, anything else that you'd like to say? So, <clears throat> uh, putting, putting it into that context, if I, was, uh, if I knew what I knew now mm -hmm. and I was 16, mm -hmm. um, I would let go of stuff. Yeah. Um, that's been a big one to actually work out in life. Mm -hmm. Just not hang on to stuff. It's just, you waste too much time and energy, you know, into this thing that's already happened in your past and isn't gonna change. Yeah. So just let go of it and just concentrate on the present moment yeah. and look to the future, onwards and upwards. And, yeah. you know, forgive, forget and, you know, move on. 